This morning, I want to reflect on a single line that Jesus uses in today's gospel passage. He says, call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. So first of all, I want to talk about what it means in context, the literal meaning of what Jesus is saying But I think the spiritual meaning of this passage is also very powerful, so I want to talk about it on a more spiritual level as well. So first, we might be confused about what Jesus means here when he says, call no one on earth your father. I've met people who who do take this passage literally. Uh, Once I was speaking to a Presbyterian minister, and I introduced myself. I said, hi, I'm Father Matthew. And he said, is it okay if I just call you Matthew? And I said, I said, yes, that's fine. And he said, I've never called anybody father, not even my own daddy. Not even my own daddy. He was from the South. So he, he was one who took this very literally. Not only would he not call a priest father, but not even his dad. Um, so it's, it's good for us to know that this has never been our Catholic interpretation of this text. But instead, we, we, we would say that Jesus is using a literary technique that's, that's called hyperbole or exaggeration. He's using exaggeration to get a point across and this is actually something that Jesus does frequently in the gospel. He uses this exaggeration. It was a common way of teaching in Jesus' time. The best example, it's in Matthew chapter 5 in the first Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Better to enter into life maimed than to, than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. Then he says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better to enter into life losing a member than to, end, to go with your whole body thrown into Gehenna. So my guess is that that Presbyterian minister doesn't take that passage literally. <laughs> so this is just a way that Jesus speaks. He uses very strong and sometimes exaggerated language But he's trying to get a point across. So what's the point he's trying to make when he says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off? Well, he's telling us that we need to take sin more seriously than we actually do. We tolerate sin in our own life as if it's something tolerable, acceptable. But Jesus doesn't want us to think about sin that way. He wants us to to root it out, to take it so seriously. So he uses this very dramatic and graphic language. So when Jesus says today, call no one on earth your father, he's making making a point. And who is he speaking to? Well, he's speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees who had leadership in, in Israel. They were religious leaders. And what does he say about them? He says, they love titles. They love to be called rabbi, father, master. They love seats of honor. They love getting to sit in the important place in the synagogue. They love the attention that their office gives them. 
And so what Jesus is, is Jesus knows that his disciples are going to be the leaders of the church. And he's trying to help them to not to beware of the dangers that come with leadership. He doesn't want them to be attached to titles, places of honor, the attention that people are going to give them, none of that. He wants their attachment to be only with God. So that's why he says, don't let yourself be called rabbi. People are going to call them rabbi. He's not speaking literally here, but he's telling them that they can't be attached to that title. What does he say at the end of this passage? He says, the greatest among you be, must be your servant. And so he's saying to them, if you're going to be leaders in this church of mine, that means service. That means giving, not taking. So it's a good reminder for any of us who have a leadership role in our life. That might be a, simply a leadership role in your family as father or mother. What's that all about? Service. Or it might be at, in, your, in your work, you might have a leadership role. Do we look at it as service? Do people look up to us? Well, then we're called to service, not to be attached to our position or our role. As priest, Jesus is talking to me directly. He wants, wants me to live a life of service. He doesn't want me to take advantage of any position that I have, but wants me to give, to give my life, to give it away. So this is the, this is the context that Jesus is talking about when he's saying, call no one on earth your father. He doesn't want us to be attached to any title. We have one father in heaven. Our focus has to be on God, not, not ourselves. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. So I think this is actually really meaningful. You have but one father in heaven. And I was, couldn't help but think of a story from the life of St. Francis of Assisi. Now, I've been thinking about St. Francis a lot. I just spent a week with him. Uh, some of you know that I just made my annual retreat, and I did so in Assisi in Italy, uh, where St. Francis and St. Clair were from. So I spent a lot of time, was so blessed to spend a lot of time at their, the tomb of Francis and the tomb of St. Clair. And one really cool moment was um, when I got to visit... I, a place that I hadn't visited before. Uh, it's a place that they're, they're doing excavations near this, the, the old cathedral. And something very important happened there in the life of St. Francis. And I couldn't help but think of this event in Francis's life when I, when I read these words, call no one on earth your father, you have but one father in heaven. Because it has to do with Francis's father, his earthly father. Francis's father was named Pietro. He's a very successful person, wealthy person. He was a textile merchant. And he was training Francis to, to take over the business someday. And Francis was very well poised to do so because he had a lot of gifts, a lot of human skills. Uh, Francis would, would travel with his father around Europe. And uh, he was really good with people. 
He had a very outgoing, attractive personality, Francis did. People loved to be around him. He was the life of the party back in Assisi. Uh, he, would, he would use his money, actually, to increase his popularity by picking up the tab when they would have dinner, by buying the drinks when they were partying. And uh, his father was happy with that because his father knew that the more popular Francis was, the better off their business would be and their family reputation. But then Francis began to hear and feel God's voice in his life, and it was very disorienting for Francis. He had his life set out ahead of him. He, had, he had, knew what he was going to do. He was going to inherit his father's business. He knew he was going to be good at it. But then he began to feel that God was actually wanting something different for his life. Francis began to experience uh, a repulsion towards his old life. He gave up partying. He gave up his friends. Uh, He started to want to spend time in solitude and in silence. So he he would camp out in these churches around Assisi, many of which were falling into disrepair. So it's at one of those churches where famously uh, the image of Jesus uh, towards which Francis was, was praying spoke to him and said, Francis, rebuild my church, which is falling into disrepair. Francis took it literally. He began rebuilding that church and other churches around Assisi, using his dad's money to do so. So instead of now spending his money on his friends, which made him more popular, he was now spending money on rocks, building up these churches that were falling into disrepair. He was spending his money on food and clothing for the poor people that he would meet, especially for the poor in the leper colony right outside of Assisi. And his father didn't understand this a bit, nor did anybody in town. What's happened to Francis? He used to be so fun, and he's not fun anymore. He spends time alone. He spends time praying. He spends time with the poor. What's he doing in those churches? People thought that he had a mental illness, His father became very worried about what was going to happen when he had to hand over the business to Francis. What's, how how is this man with a mental illness going, what's he going to do to this business that I've built up? So very painfully, his, his father decided to legally disown him so that the business uh, would remain intact and it would go not to Francis, but to his, to their other son, Angelo. In order to get that legally taken care of, though, they had to get the bishop's permission just because of the way the legal system and the church were intertwined. So this is the famous event in Francis's life where Francis and his father have this confrontation in front of the bishop. His father brings him there because he's going to officially disown him. But Francis beats him to the punch He strips off all his clothes, sets them in front of his father, and he says, I'm no longer the son of Pietro. I'm the son of our heavenly father. And that was the beginning of his new life. So that's what I was thinking of. 
when Jesus says this, call no one on earth your father. You have one father in heaven. Uh, What Francis did, obviously, was a very dramatic act and maybe not one that we're called to do ourselves. It's also important for us to see that Francis wasn't renouncing his relationship with his father. He was renouncing the expectation that his father had on his life. He was renouncing the wealth, the business, the future that he was supposed to have, worldly success, and he renounced all of that in favor of the future that God had for him because he believed that God had something different in mind, something better. This is so important for all of us to learn this spiritual lesson that we're not defined by our last name, we're not defined by the wealth of our family or the poverty of our family. We're not defined by how well put together our family is or how broken our family is. None of that defines us. We're not defined by our skills. We're not defined by our talents. We're only defined by one thing, and that's our one God, our one Father who's in heaven, who created us, who knows us, who defines us, calls us by name. What Francis did is he began to live for God instead of to live for the expectations that his parents had, the expectations that his community had, the expectations that even his own skill set had, the things that he was good at. Francis had to, had to realize that He actually owed his life to God and to no one else. And so because he believed that God was his heavenly father, he was able to do something very difficult, which was to give up the old life and to embrace a new life. And that was a life of poverty for Francis. But man, was it a fruitful life. Within within a, a year, he had a couple followers. Within three years, he had dozens. Within five years, hundreds. Within seven or eight years, thousands of men who did something similar, gave up their wealth, their future, uh, to embrace a life of poverty and the gospel. It's the birth of the Franciscan order. So, Francis obviously lived this way in a, this gospel in a very particular way, but we're called to live it too. <laughs> to know that we have a Father in heaven who has a special claim on us. Nobody else has a claim on us except God our Father. It's, it's to him that we owe our whole life. Everything that we have, everything that we are, we received it from him. So this is the vantage point of faith that the saints direct us to, that Jesus directs us to today in our gospel. Let's ask the Lord today to help us to live this way, putting away the expectations of everybody else. And let's ask the Lord to give us the grace to live uh, as we, we truly are sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father.